Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center. We believe that God has perfectly revealed Himself through Scripture alone, and that salvation comes by grace alone, from faith alone in Christ alone, and that everything is for the glory of God alone. So as we study God's unchanging, inerrant Word together, ask God to open your eyes, to open your eyes to see yourself and your own sin clearly. Open your eyes to see Jesus clearly, and pray that God would give you the grace to repent, to turn from your sin, and the faith to trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you'd like more information, go to our website at edenworshipcenter.co. We're in Genesis 28, verse 12. We'll be reading through 17. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, the father, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Let's pray. Actually, first, uh, I want to ask for another prayer request to be added. Um, uh, Today is Andrew, would have been Andrew's 25th birthday. So if you could be praying for his mom, dad, my sister, um, the whole family, his friends. There's just a lot of remembrance today for that, so... All right, let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, and we thank you for your promises. You are a God who keeps your promises. You kept your promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you keep your promises to us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would be with uh, Aiden today as he brings the message, and that you would just open our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Jason. I know him. So, before we start today, uh, it felt like God was laying on my heart some things that have kind of been building in the past couple of weeks, things that have been said to me. Nothing nothing bad, but specifically one of them was uh, actually what one Charles Reed had said to me, and it was, oh no, no, and it's, it's something that really helped me think of something rather important that I never really have said, and I think it's important to say. Uh, He had said, while I was teaching Sunday school up here, he was like, I saw you looking for your dad for support. Well, he is not here this morning. My grandfather is, but I think it's rather important that I say and confess that my faith is my own. My father is not the man who has made me who I am, that is through Christ. He has changed my heart. 
It is my own faith. I want you to know that I am not up here because I'm favoritized by my grandfather or my dad. I've done it because I've done due diligence in studying God's word, and this is what God has called us to do as Christians. So with that, let me pray again because I am really nervous every time. But let's start off with another prayer. God, I ask that you would be with me this morning. I pray that you would convict your church of your word. I pray that you would open their hearts to your word. I ask that you would use my tongue in a skillful way to proclaim your word, to show them your character this morning, God. I pray that you'd be with my father and my mother as they are on sabbatical. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you'd give them rest and peace. I pray that you would refresh them so that they can come back rejuvenated and in the ability to love your church even more. Amen. Okay, so I had Jason read just a piece of our passage this morning. Our whole passage is actually the entire, entire chapter of 28. So we're actually just going to dive back in and read the whole thing again, because I like to read. So... Uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 28. Uh, then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padaram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May <clears throat> Excuse me. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away and went to Pada Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. Verse 6. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Pada Aram to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Pada Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sitter of Naboth. Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac." The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in your offspring shall the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, verse, verse 18, sorry. 
So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house, and, all, <clears throat> and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So that was all of chapter 18. But before we dive in too much, uh, it's important to get a little bit of review from the late, fabulous pastor Avery Nickham. Uh, it's, it's important to kind of rehash a little bit on what he had said last week with uh, what we saw from Isaac's family, so Esau, Jacob, Rebekah, and Isaac. What we saw, how they interacted, what had God had said to them in that passage, how that caused their actions. So before we get a little too into that, there are, there's, there's one main point that I want to cover this morning, and that's uh, the omnipresence of God. Not, not specifically just an innocent bystander who just is watching and knows everything that's going on and he's just kind of there and doesn't do anything. That's not, that's not what I'm arguing for this morning. This morning, I'm arguing for a God who is there and has guided us through his word and, and specifically for Jacob, has guided him through direct word and vision of heaven. So, while we do that, we're going to read even more scripture again. So... Uh, in verse 1, just to get an idea, because we read a lot. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padaram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So last week, Avery preached, and he introduced us to Jacob and Esau and Rebekah and their story, where we saw Isaac is very sick, he's kind of blind, can't walk, he's bedridden, his wife is not, and she's very cunning and clever yet, and we'll see that because she tricks her husband, but Esau's a hunter, Isaac is a soup maker, which I am very fond of, soup is like my favorite food ever, but it, we, we see that he's making a soup and his brother just comes back from a hunt and he's like starving, because he's probably been out in the desert for a couple of days, and that's, that's actually a, a big deal. So he's like, I need something to eat. I'm so desperate, I'm willing to give my birthright to you. And he does. So Isaac gives him the soup, and Esau's like, you can have my birthright, which is a big deal because Isaac wasn't a poor guy because we also saw Isaac in Egypt where he is kicked out because he was so wealthy, they couldn't have him in the same city as them. So it was a big deal for him to give up this birthright. But that's not the end of Esau's troubles in that chapter. Uh, we then see Rebekah come to her son, and she has inside knowledge that God has revealed to her, which was the older will serve the younger. She doesn't tell Isaac. Isaac doesn't know, and he's pretty much on his last leg anyways. So she decides to trick him by killing a goat, making food for him, and then covering her son, the non-hairy one, in the goat's hair. Which, I just, I just don't think that physically would work. Like, I know that's a story and all, but, like, even blind people, like, have you ever touched a goat? They're hairy. Like, 
I have hair on my arms, but not, not like that. Like, that's, that's a dense fur. I wonder what Esau looked like. He probably was like a Sasquatch. But, now honestly, like, how can you get away with that? But what we do see is Esau then loses his blessing as well as his birthright because Rebekah and Jacob trick their father into giving the blessing from God to the younger son, which means the older will serve the younger. So God's plan does come to fruition there. But that's a little bit of last week's lesson and what we had seen, what we heard, and it's important to get familiar with these people. But the important part here is we do see, again in this chapter, where Isaac doesn't just bless Jacob. He tells him instructions that we've heard before, which is the, we've, we've heard it, I think it was with the Hittites first, or maybe it's still the Canaanites. I don't know. I got really confused this week on which one it was. But here it's the Canaanites. But what we see is God has said, only marry the people within this covenant that I've provided. Don't marry anyone else because they are not a part of this people. And so we see Jacob get up and he goes. But immediately after that, we see uh, Esau as well do a similar thing. But let's, let's jump into verse 3 here so we can kind of get back and grounded. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Pedah-Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. So we see a big interconnected distant family here. Uh, and we obviously know the, uh, the adage of the, it's the uh, sands of the beaches or dust of the earth, stars in the sky. That's how many generations and children you're going to have. But I think an easily overlooked thing in this promise to Abraham is it's not only children. It's also the land of your sojournings, which we get to see here again promised to Jacob. And that's rather important because we actually get to see this twice in this passage. It's here from Jacob's father, Isaac, and then personally from God. I think God does a better job, not going to lie. But it's, it's important to acknowledge this because if we don't, like, it doesn't really quite make sense why God promises in such a way that he does. Like, I will keep you and I will bring you back to your father's land. That's the land of Abraham. That's what he's talking about. So, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Looking at you guys too much. Uh, oh, the other thing here is we see a name reappear. And we're not going to take too much time on this one. This is the name of Laban. So we saw him earlier, and we actually get to see him with one of Abraham's servants and with his sister Rebekah before she's married to Isaac. So Abraham sends his servant to get a wife for his son because God said, Go to this family so you can get a wife for my son. So then he goes there, and we see Laban and Rebekah. And Rebekah waters all these camels. It was something like 130 gallons of water that she had to pull out of a well in the desert, which is crazy. But <clears throat> we also see Laban and what he does to this servant. And that's he tries to make him stay because he sees how wealthy he is because Abraham gave the servant something like it would have been like $60,000 worth of gold to put on this lady in today's money. 
She liked a nose ring and some bracelets. It was a crazy amount of money, and he had more. So Laban's like, let's make this guy stay, and let's take his money, and then you can go with him until we, like, milk him for all he's worth. But we see him here again, and this time it's Laban's daughters that are going to be Jacob's wives. So we don't get to hear anything about him in this passage, but just so you know, Laban is a shady character. He is going to cause some trouble, but he plays a pretty big role later on. Uh, But moving on, let's get into verse 6 here. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Pada Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, <clears throat> and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Pada Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please his father Isaac, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Naboth. So this kind of segment almost seems comical with the rest of this passage because we've seen Isaac and he's just like, I've received the blessing, I'm going to go on my way. It's a big first mission statement for him. But then we see little Esau here going, he's like, you know what I think would make my dad happy? If I got a third wife, but this one, I got one that he likes. That's actually not what we want to see here because like Avery had said last week, we see Esau after the blessing has been taken away from him, crying out desperately for his father to bless him. Because Esau, I think, if we don't look at his humanity a little bit more than we should, it's all you see is a man who's really, really dumb and really, really hairy. That's all you really get. But in reality, we have a man who is decently old. Like, he is, he is a middle-aged man by our standards today. He's like 40 and he has known that he is going to be the one that's going to be blessed because he's the firstborn. He gets the biggest piece of inheritance. And he knows about Abraham and his father and how God had blessed them and was going to bless that people. Knowing his, most of his life, he has known that he's like, all right, it's going to be me. I'm the oldest one. This has to be passed to me. And then all of a sudden, he loses his inheritance, and then he loses that eternal blessing from God on his life. Because we don't see Esau blessed. We, in fact, see Esau I have hated. Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. He is excluded from this relationship with God. And it makes a lot more sense when you see a man who has been expecting this and wanting this his whole life, and then it is taken away from him, and he cries out desperately to his father for any kind of blessing. So it makes a little more sense in this passage when we see that he tries to appease his father in any way, shape, or form by going and getting another wife, one that is promised, one that he should have. But then again, he even gets this wrong. Because if you guys remember who Ishmael is, you guys remember who Ishmael is? Nod your head. I want to see some movement. He is the son of Abraham, but he is not the promised son of Abraham. We see God, yes, says, I will make a great nation of Ishmael, but he will be, like, sojourning, and I think they call him a wild donkey, which is crazy. But when you have a little bit of background, the wild donkey is actually native to the desert, and they're really, really valuable. But it's, it's meant to say that he's hard to capture, and he is ruthless and hard. But we see Esau try to marry into this covenant family, 
but he still misses it because this is Ishmael's daughter who is not included. She is not part of the promised people of God. But it's, I think it's just important that we try to see Esau as a man, not just as a person in a story that just kind of is a placeholder for comic relief. He is there as a human who is incredibly hurt by what his brother does, by what his father does, what his mother does. And so for any sort of comfort, he tries to marry someone inside of this. But I think, I think that's just an important point to see here is Esau. Uh, continuing verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And when he came to a certain place, he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in the place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth and on top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So this, in my mind, is where we get to see that shift of focus from Isaac and his family to Jacob now. He has gone out. He is traveling in the desert. It's just him by himself. And it's kind of a crucial moment in his life because this is where God is going to reveal himself personally to Jacob for the first time. So far, it has been his father, Isaac, saying, here's the blessing of God. I'm going to put it on you because that was, that was his duty. Like, he was going to bless him. God had predestined Isaac to be that one. And so through that, Isaac blessed him. But here is where we see God take a personal role in his life. So Jacob's out in the desert, and he grabs uh, what's known as an ancient pillow, a rock, and puts it under his head. That's just crazy. Like, he had to have something made of cloth that he could put his head on. Like, he's got clothes, big tunic thing. I don't know. Why a rock? Like, it would just be more comfortable to just put your head in the sand. But... Needless to say, he falls asleep. Oh, I said it. Sorry. My family has an inside joke, and when I get really nervous and I don't know what to say, I say needless to say. Just so you know. They'd be very proud of me that I admitted that. But he's out in the desert, and he falls asleep. And God gives him this picture of a ladder going from earth up into heaven. And we don't, we don't necessarily know what he sees, but he sees something heavenly, very full of majesty. But we see him then get this blessing from God where it's the, the retelling of what... Sorry, I'm getting mixed up, guys. Take a drink and try that again. We see the retelling of what Isaac has already said to Jacob, but this time we see it from God. And it's important to see this because Isaac is not the one who has the authority to give this blessing. It is only God. But it's, it's kind of hard to kind of navigate through this area because there's a lot of trickery and sinfulness in this family where we see Rebecca trick her husband into blessing her favorite son because God had told her that he was going to bless the younger and not the older and Avery put it this way, she took advantage of a handicapped person. And that, I mean, that gives you a pretty clear picture of what she did was wrong. Like, it's wrong to take advantage of handicapped people, yes? You should say yes. Don't take care, like, don't, don't take advantage of them. But 
what is truly wrong about this is Isaac didn't have the authority to give this blessing. Only God does. And when people try to work the will that God has planned for us, whether it's blessing the younger and making the older serve that younger, or uh, like just like preaching the gospel up here. I don't, I don't just get to like throw it at you and say, that's it, and then walk down. I have to hopefully take you by the hand and walk you through it in a simple way. But honestly, I feel like I'm really bad at it. But it's, it's important to see human will is to be subjected underneath God's and not the other way around which is why when Rebecca last week says, only listen to my voice, my son Jacob, when, she, when he is like, hey, we probably shouldn't do this to my dad. Like, this would be a bad idea. And she was like, only listen to my voice. She is willingly and knowingly taking that place of God's authority in his life and going, you're going to do this, and you're only going to listen to my voice while I do it. Go get those goats. I'm going to kill them and cook them, and you're going to put on the hair. Like, you, you want to see sinful people trying to work out the will of God in their own ways. God will work out his will in his way, however it happens. We are not to do it by sin because the ends do not justify the means in our lives. So, Jacob's out in the wilderness. He sees the ladder in heaven, and he calls the place Bethel. So, a group of archaeologists recently have discovered an artifact in this area. Uh, and it, it appeared to be some sort of inflatable metal balloon. That's a lie. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to make a joke about the Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. And metal balloon, Led Zeppelin. I thought it was funny. Most of the young people in this room probably do not. But I, I was actually going to, just a, a side note, I was going to pay homage to my grandfather who's sitting right there. He likes to sing in his sermons, but I figured if I sang Stairway to Heaven in a sermon, I think this would be the final time I would preach. So I did not do that, but I wanted to at least make a joke about it. Uh, With all jokes aside, let's actually jump back in here into verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, and the south. And in you, your offspring, shall all the families of earth be blessed. So for the second time, this is here. What we see is the second time where... Abraham's blessing is revealed, but this time it is by God, and it is a more complete blessing. Uh, And it should be noted that this is mildly different from how God has revealed himself to Jacob's fathers, whether it's Isaac or Abraham. Yes, God did reveal himself in a dream to Abraham, but this is God standing in heaven above the earth saying, I am the God of your fathers. I am going to bless you and your offspring and make them like the dust of the earth. And this land in which you lie, I will bring you back to. This is a little different than he's ever done it before. I think it's, I think it's quite the entrance in Jacob's life. Like this would have been awesome back in the day when I was like 12. And I was like, yeah, I think I, I, think I want to be a Christian. And then God's like, puts me to sleep. And then all of a sudden I see him in heaven. And he's like, Aiden. 
Yeah, I'm just going to leave it there because I don't want to. I don't want to blaspheme too much. But like, can you can you kind of understand what is happening here? Like, he is seeing God in a dream, and he is saying personally to him, and all that he's heard is so far is from his parents, and it's been sinful parents and bad things. But this time, God personally comes and says. I am going to multiply you and make your offspring like the dust of the earth, and I will give you this land that you are lying in. It's kind of, it's kind of an exciting part. This is, this is a huge thing in Jacob's life. But a last point in this is the all the nations will be blessed part of this verse. We've, we've heard it before. We've heard it actually about three times. Uh, I think people kind of become callous to this one, whether it's the... Uh, like, yes, we're obviously going to be blessed through him because Jesus comes through this line. Yes, that's true. But really think about it. Like, this is something, this is thousands and thousands of years ago. God has promised here that he's going to bless all of the peoples of the earth. So in that time frame, that might have looked like him going back to Egypt and becoming wealthy and then gathering people to himself. And they are embedded because he is wealthy and he can help people around him and sell stuff. And he is the only line to God in this land at this time. But for us, it is Christ. Like, Christ will emerge from this line, and Christ is what saves us. Like, that's, that's kind of a big deal to us. And I feel like we don't, we don't give it enough credit if we just look at it and we're like, yeah, he's going he's gonna to come through the line, and that's about it. And, like, and then Jesus is here. But like, what an amazing thing to see. God has planned and been there and said, I am going to cognitively tell this man, I am going to bless the peoples of the earth way before I even set in images of what Christ is going to be. We don't even have a king of Israel yet. There is no Israel. Like, we don't even get to see any of that. But all the way back here, we see... I will bless all of the peoples of the earth. I just think that's a good point. But number 15, or verse 15 here. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring back to you this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So this is, is one of the main verses, or this is the main verse I wanted to look at today. Because uh, it's important to see God has revealed his plan for Jacob's life to him already. But this is where God says, I am with you. I will, <clears throat> I will be with you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. So God has promised him this. He will grow his descendants and he will bring him back to this land. So I didn't know a good way to really make this point kind of sit in there. But the way I'd kind of describe it is like, when is the last moment in a man's life where he can have children? That's right, up until he's dead. So this, this kind of is a, a line of God will bring you back to this place, and he already has promised I will be with your descendants and bring him in this place. But it shows how long God is going to be with Jacob in his life. I think, I think that's an important point. Because if God is to say, I will be with you and I will keep you, and I will bring you back to this place, the land of your father Abraham, like, he better listen. And I know it's kind of hard to infer these things about Jacob because we don't really know him that well yet. But to help us get to know him a little bit, I have this little excerpt from uh, a relatively unknown uh, preacher. His name is Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
Uh, so let me just read this quote for you. Let us look at Jacob's experience. Did Jacob find God to be with him? Well, turn to the 31st chapter again and read the 5th verse. Don't actually do that. That's just what he said. Uh, up to as far as the time that he was about to leave Laban, he says, The God of my father hath been with me. I have read <clears throat> that testimony with great joy. I thought of Jacob as thus. Well, you certainly were not eminent for grace while with Laban. You were plotting and scheming, you against Laban and Laban against you. And yet your witness is, the God of my father hath been with me. This is all the more encouraging as coming from Jacob. Jacob seems to say this of God, It was he that gave me my wife and my children. It was he that prospered me in the teeth of those who tried to rob me. The God of my father hath been with me. I added this one in because I think it does a pretty great job of connecting to this verse in Genesis 28 where we see God say, I will be with you, I will keep you, I will bring you back to your land of your fathers. And we get to see just a, a quick picture of what Jacob says and believes a little bit later on when he has both of his wives because he runs into trouble with confusion and gets really weird. Then all of his children and all of his wealth. But what he says here, even though he's been tricked by his father-in-law, and stuff has been stolen from him, he says, God has been with me. And he has given me my wife and my children and everything I have. And at the end of 28, he says, I will give to you a tenth of what you have given to me. And that's, that's actually kind of an important part of specifically Jewish culture, is they, so I don't know if you guys know a whole bunch about sacrifices in the Old Testament, but there's the animal, and then there's grain, and there's oil, and all kinds of stuff, and there's like doves. But one of them is like a Thanksgiving sacrifice, which is usually not a live animal, and they would get like grain, and they would burn it. And that's what I've heard said about it, is their way of saying, God, we know you have given us this, like all that we have. So we give a little bit back in remembrance of that. And the same thing is true when we look at, uh, for example, Jesus, when he is dedicated in the temple. That is of the same idea of the firstborn is given from God. Like he belongs to God, and so they, they dedicated him in the temple. That's a pretty a common thing there. But it's kind of crazy to see Jacob actually believe these things because so far he makes a bargain with God there at the end and he's like if you're going to be with me I want to have food and I want to come back here make sure that happens and that's that's not actually how it goes but that's kind of how it feels in some of those moments but uh, sorry I lost my spot because I was just preaching uh, oh yeah so this is where our big point of omnipresence reveals itself. God is here. I am with you. I will keep you. I will bring you back here. This shows where God specifically reveals himself to be omnipresent to Jacob when he says, I will keep you. I will be, that means I will be with you. I will keep you safe. I will bring you back here. God has preexisted Jacob, knew he was going to exist, and had planned to put hardships in his life to develop a story that would better uh, proclaim the character of God in his word. But it is important to also recognize Jacob as a person 
who is going to struggle. But the truth of God being omnipresent is also true for us. Whether it's the beginning of the world where he says, I knew you, I knitted you in your mother's womb, or, <clears throat> man, my memory is failing me. I, wanted, I have this verse memorized, and I thought I could do it up here, but now I'm terrified. It's the, uh, oh, man, I actually can't do it. It's where he talks about uh, conforming you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. But it's, it's so that he knew you and he had chosen you to do the work of his son here on earth. God is omnipresent with us as well. But his promise to Jacob is different from his promise to us. He promises to keep Jacob, to bring him back to this place, and to <clears throat> multiply his offspring in the land. To us, it is a little different. He had promised that we will be conformed to the image of his son, and that is through a process of sanctification, and that is <clears throat> revealed to us through his word every day. God's word is living and breathing. So, as a piece of evidence for that, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God is not just some innocent by, or not innocent bystander, not involved, unrelationshiped bystander. He has revealed his word to us. <clears throat> he has made promises to us to change us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, and he has promised us eternal life with him in relationship with Christ and him in heaven. What a liberty it is to have a God who not only sees our lives and what we do, but to have a God who has said, Aiden, you I have known since the foundations of the world, and I have chosen you to live in my set paths. Oh, also, Aiden, you get to enjoy what you do while you serve me here on earth, for this is not the only hell that a Christian will experience. This is the only place where you have the chance to pursue me with your life, because when you make it to heaven, you're just there with me. I think the quote, earth is the only hell that Christians will ever experience, is, it's got a tiny bit of truth, but I think it's an elementary truth. That is a very small-minded thought to have. God has given us a place to pursue him while we are here on earth, to love him with our lives, and to do his good will. But we are not to think of this place as a place of torment while God just squishes us like bugs. That's, a, that's dumb. Don't do that. And to kind of further this point, uh, I'm going to read this uh, excerpt from Philippians 4, uh, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Excuse me. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I think that verse would argue harshly against this is the only hell that Christians will experience because I am to be content in all things, whether it's nothing and much, a fruitful ministry, a terrible sermon. Okay, I just think, I'm just making sure. Okay, uh, but in all honesty, like that is, that is not a part of me. My strength does not come from me. My strength comes from God. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's not a free throw verse. Like you're up there and you're like, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. I hope you airball. Like that's just bad. Don't think that. This is about God who has brought us low so that he might be made high. We might see that. I can do all things for Christ who, th- who strengthens me. But looking at our last part of this, we see Jacob make kind of a deal with God and also the origin of tithe. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone they had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. This, this wasn't the most important part of this passage, I didn't think. But it is rather important to see the acknowledgement from Jacob to God, where he says, if you are to do this, then you will be my God, and I will be yours. And that's, I, I think, a, a decent like view of submission in Jacob's life where it kind of sounds like he's just going like, God, if you're going to do this, at least give me some food, do this. But in reality, it's for a man who saw something in a dream and then reacted in real life to it and says, God, if you do this, I will be yours and you will be my God. Like that's, that's, a, that's a big deal because I've had dreams and I'm like, that was crazy. But it wasn't like life-changing. But then again, God hasn't revealed himself to me in a dream quite like that. Uh, just an important thought, I thought there, that this submission of Jacob to God through a dream. Uh, also, this is the origin of tithing that we see, where the tenth, it comes from the word tenth, tithe. Sounds pretty similar. But to wrap things up a little bit, God had revealed himself personally to Jacob after Jacob's family had modeled for him terrible, terrible, terrible godliness. We had seen them trick each other, trick each other, trick each other. I still can't say it. Trick each other. We'd also seen them steal from one another, whether it's the blessing, be reckless with God, what, man, getting near the end, I really am struggling to speak. We had seen them uh, treat lightly what God had provided for them, whether it's Esau and his inheritance, and also a bad subjugation of God's will and human ways, so anthropomorph- 
like anthropomorphized acts, whether it's God's will revealed to us and then we try to submit it to ourselves so that we can make it come to pass with Rebecca saying, go kill the goat, we're going to trick your dad. That's a heinous crime against God. But it's important to see the family that he had come from, but then the God who reveals himself to him in the desert and how he says, God, I will follow you if you will be with me. Give me food to eat. And God says, I will be with you, and I will bring you back to this place, and I will be your God. But I think, I think it's rather important to see when God reveals himself, he does it correctly, and when man reveals God, we do it quite badly. But God is with Jacob, and we will continue to see him with Jacob and how Jacob will make mistakes, and God will forgive him and some of the crazy stuff that's going to be happening. So, praise team, if you would come up. Uh, it's important for us to see God's omnipresence in our lives, whether he has uh, taken time to be with us, to reveal his word to us, to explain his word to us, whether we see it in, I think it's Romans 8, the golden chain passage, the... Uh, being conformed to the image of his son. God has predestined us for his work and for salvation. I pray that you would hear that from me this morning. I pray that you would understand it. I know that I was really scatterbrained this morning. But uh, I ask that you forgive me for my scatterbrainedness, for I am just a human being. But I ask that God would be... <clears throat> gracious to you and reveal his word in your hearts and that you would accept his truth of the gospel. Thanks for joining our podcast. We pray that God would bless you and strengthen you through his word. If you'd like to find out more about EWC or give tithes and offerings in support of this ministry, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co.